Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Performance Corner Quarantine Edition, where we like to discuss virtual performances that you guys send us during these unprecedented times. Today, we're your hosts, Yiming, Maddie, Kabir, and Shima. Today, we'll be discussing a slam poetry piece, War on Black Boys by Mikhail Nelson. It was posted on Instagram back in May of 2020. Nelson is a self-proclaimed artist, poet, and musician from Detroit. This piece was originally performed live at Oakwood University in 2015, but the video of the performance was not posted on Instagram until the height of the Black Lives Matter movement protest this year, where it was viewed nearly 780,000 times. So we're going to go over some of our initial thoughts, and Shima, you found this video for us, so would you like to start us off? Sure, I'd love to. So I found this uh, performance just on Instagram Explore one day um, back in May, and um, I watched it, and I was just deeply impacted right away. Um, I think I even started crying the first time I watched it, just at that moment when he started, when he mentioned um, Trayvon Martin and Tamir Rice, all these um, black boys that had been brutally killed um, in the past due to police brutality. Um, I think. It was during a time when the height of our emotions, you know, were extreme during all these protests and um, really uh, terrifying going on in the world. And um, to actually have this poem put into perspective was quite quite impactful. Yeah, I felt I felt a similar experience there when I first listened to it. It was kind of just a flood of emotions. There were some tears, as you said, and I felt it was just a huge weight on my chest when I was listening to him speak, and everything about his performance was very immersive. Visually, he stood for the first section with his hands outstretched in somewhat of a mimicking, awaiting a handcuffs sort of stance, and I think that that spoke volumes in itself. He was very sure of himself as he spoke, yet not necessarily overflowing with anger or sadness, but... I don't know if you guys felt the same. He kind of met somewhere in the middle. It was very yeah. calm, cool, and collected, but you could tell how much power was behind his words. Yeah, uh, th- this is the first time I actually heard this poem after Shima sent it to us, and it was definitely an experience. It's a really provocative poem. It was, it, It's really impactful. And one of the things that I really noticed was um, looking at how emotional Nelson is about this topic, and you can't help but feel your blood boil when you hear this uh, when you hear this piece of uh, literature uh, one of the interesting things is uh, one of you mentioned that this poem was initially published uh, published or performed in 2015 which uh, at the time 2015 was the was the year with the highest uh, police mortality rate for uh, African American boys between ages 15 to 34 oh, wow. i believe it uh, yeah at the end, i believe at the end of the year they had uh, just over a thousand. I mean, the exact number is like one thousand one hundred thirty-four uh, black men between the ages of fifteen to thirty-five that were killed in police-related incidents. Now, yeah, a lot of these do turn out to be uh, violent crimes because one of the one of, I, I've been talking to a lot of people about this poem in my social spheres, and uh, one of my closest friends, his he had an argument that uh, low-income black neighborhoods seem to have some of the highest rates of violent crime, and most of it is black-on-black violence. Uh, the police being involved does end up skewing these statistics a bit because 
the moment the cops are called, any deaths related to that incident are added to this mortality rate. However, that doesn't take away from the fact that it's still a major, major problem. Black, uh, young black males make up, make up less than 2% of the population. But uh, in 2015, or I'm not sure how relevant this, I'm pretty sure the statistic still holds, era one in 65 black males that died in the US were dying due to police related violence. And that is absolutely wow. despicable, it's horrible. And yeah. looking at Nelson, remember, I'm not from the Canada or North America, I'm from India, and this is not really an issue that we really talk about there. And that's why the first time I heard this poem, mm -hmm. I was I, I couldn't really relate to it in the way a lot of you might be able to have grown up around this environment. Yeah. But it was definitely, like, the more I've been looking into it over the last couple of months, it's really been something that I feel passionately about. Yeah, those were such great points. And yeah, when I first watched this, like it was such a visceral and emotional experience and it was powerful because of how relevant it is to recent mm -hmm. events. Definitely. And and when Shima told us that it was this was created in 2015, that's that's shocking at the same time it's not and it's just it just gives you so much perspective in terms of how how relative performance is to time. And as time passes, performance become transient in their meanings. And in this case, it's kind it's really disappointing and angering to see how this was this happened. We knew this. This was a paradigm five years ago. And it was a paradigm for like since the beginning of time and the founding of North America as a whole. Um, but it still gives so much perspective that this is still more relevant than ever, like five years later. Um, and it really, it really makes us like see and notice how performance changed, but this performance in particular, like the meaning behind it exactly isn't necessarily changed. It's we attach more names of victims to this poem. And I think that's so disappointing and saddening and angry at the same time. And, but then at the same time, as time changes, our space changes. And I think it's, it, we can see the difference between um, the space and the mental, like the general perspective of this issue. Um, now, I hope and I like, I want to believe that right now we're more educated than ever and that we're taking more action than before. So yeah, there's this general awareness. Um, I know that we all listed some of our favorite quotes from the poem. Would anyone like to share first? Yeah, uh, I'll go for it. Yeah, go ahead. Great. Oh, sorry, Kabir. <laughs> no, no, no worries, no worries. Okay. Uh, so for me, what really stood out was when he said, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired because I'm forced to stay woke in a society whose laws are written as lullabies to black people. I'm tired. And yeah. I felt... When I read it, obviously, there was that weight that kind of set in. But I think that for me, when I kind of sat down and looked at it, there was just so much contrast in his word choice with lullaby, forced laws, you know, lullabies being a word that most people would probably associate with calmness, the sensation of being held as a baby, you know, things that you sing to your baby to help them fall asleep. It's kind of like a dream state when you think of that word. And when you pair it with things like forced to stay woke. There's such a power and harshness behind that. 
And it's basically saying, you know, there's no other option than to be consistently hyper aware of what you're doing, who's around, how you're being perceived as a person of color. And I think that in Jackie Drury's Fairview of Play, um, which I know that we all talked about last mm-hmm. week, we um, we really got into how people's opinions and perceptions just get plastered onto a person of color when they walk into a room and sometimes those thoughts can be louder than their own. And I think that in my own perception of the line, he is making it clear that the laws that bind our societies are also what fails to keep people of color safe in extraordinary and ordinary circumstances. And for me, that's why that line really stood out to me. Um, yeah, Kabir, what was what was yours that really stood out? Um, so, yeah, thanks, Maddie. Uh, the line that really stood out to me, and it might be because... Um, I've been a stage performer since I was six years old, so I really like visuals and theatricality. There was a line that he said where he said, Black mother's tears keep graveyard grass green, and black men's bones are the gavel with which judges finalize false convictions. Wake up, black boys. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love the way that line is structured, even if solely from just a theatrical perspective. It is... It evokes imagery immediately in the as soon as you listen to it, your imagination starts filling in the gaps. You and it's it's extremely provocative. Um, it's definitely extremely provocative, and as such with the poem as a whole, and it's very divisive because anything related to a topic like this tends to be divisive, which is I think one of the problems with literature or performance in this um, in this sort of social sphere where. Mm-hmm. Um, all of us, like uh, undergrads at UBC and people who generally tend to support the Black Lives Matter movement, I would assume, um, we are the main consumers of uh, poems and literature and performances like this. And even with this amazing provocative imagery, uh, I believe if anyone who's already uh, like a stereotypical, uh, I don't want to say it that way, but a stereotypical old white dude uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> believes that, who believes that oh, this is just being blown out of proportion, they're not going to be converted by a piece of literature. But I do think that things like this do bring conversation into the social sphere. So I do think that is important. But yeah, my favorite line was that one simply for the uh, imagery that it provoked. Uh, Shima, you had an interesting take on this. Could you, do you mind elaborating? Oh yeah, I wanted to quickly um, go back to Maddie's line and just say I really think that that laws and lullabies is a great use of alliteration, just a simple technique. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So for my line, I chose. I wonder if America will be alarmed when she wakes up and see black and sees black folk ain't sleeping no more because the American dream is the African American nightmare. Um, I think that this is a great. Uh, point out of the illusion of the quote American dream um, and I think it up like the the fantasy the illusion of the American dream has continued to uphold the extreme like patriotism that we see in American society um, and the extreme nationalism and it allows for like the continuation of a corrupt government and a, the police force to go unchecked um, because so many people are drilled into this like American dream um, fantasy since they're young, like made to sing the pledge or say the pledge of allegiance every day at school, and all these yeah, um, yeah. these techniques that are are essentially propaganda. Um, and but for so many people, 
They cannot afford to subscribe to this fantasy of the American dream because they have been discriminated against in America and they have um, faced violence in America. People, black people, immigrants, indigenous folks. Um, it is not, it's an only an American dream for a very select few. It's for a lot of other people, it is a nightmare. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. beautifully put. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love that line too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my favorite line or something that really stuck out was uh, the line. I'm a pop star. No, I'm a pop star. No, I'm a cop star. No, by the time I get back to the precinct, I will be a rock star. Clap for him. Like that line, it's, it's so short and says so little, but the, just the use of of literary techniques with onomatopoeia and it's a pun it's a play on words and that's what poetry is it it communicates so much it's like a picture speaks a thousand words this says so much and it explains so much in just a couple seconds Mm -hmm. and so this part when it was it was amazing how he just twisted this word it, like, yeah, when I was first watching it, it, I think this is something that really stuck out because of how powerful and how just how much it says in such a little time. And I'm going to talk about the three C's, our three C's, our traditional three C's. What was it again? It was clarify, clarify complicate, complicate, and conceal. Yeah. So in this single line, it's it just it just really speaks to the power of poetry on how poetry essentially in any line with each word, it seeks to clarify something. And it also complicates and conceals at the very same time. Um, And in this case, I feel like the, the conceal aspect is it's not what is not there. It's not, I mean, it's, it's not that they, there's information that's, that's, withheld from us but it's information that is withdrawn that allows us to fill in those blanks and Mm -hmm. it makes it so much more personal there it allows for this like personal connection to the performance on stage because we can make these personal connections to it so that was Mm -hmm. something that just overall throughout the performance that i really loved yeah that's beautifully put um something that this poem seeks to clarify is like the weight and the urgentness of the Black Lives Matter movement. And by just demonstrating like the anxiety that Black men like Mikhail go through every day through his descriptive language when he goes, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. The audience Mm -hmm. are able to empathize and put this issue into like real life context. Because if you just hear the names of victims, you might not ever quite get the full impact. But when you actually see the anxiety and the pain that it puts on to black men and black people every day, then you're able to sort of feel it a little more heavy. Yeah, you definitely hear his frustration in his voice because it's not a recent problem. It's been a problem for years and years and years. And ever since essentially the Declaration of Independence was signed, it was never, not every man was equal when that was signed, even though that that was what it asked to do. Mm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And to round off our three C's with complicate, um, I think for me with this, I would say that it's complicated for the audience and the listeners by the emotional weight behind what Mikhail's saying. And instead of being able to just 
you know, listen, how you, you know, throw on your favorite tunes in the morning and you just kind of get to feel lighthearted. You're forced to feel what Mikhail is emoting through his descriptive language and through mm-hmm. his body language on stage. And I think that it can be uncomfortable for the listeners and that's what kind of complicates things, but it's also necessary. And it just, it brings a lot more meaning than just listening. Like he's being heard. Yeah. yeah sure. All right. So as always, we like to end our uh, podcast off with a recommendation for yep. something to watch. Yes. With this. Um, our, this week's recommendation is the document tree uh, 13 by Ava DuVernay. Um, it's on Netflix and it is an excellent um, exploration of the 13th amendment and how it has continued to uphold slavery in America and the prison industrial complex. Mm-hmm. Um, this was so it was such an enlightening uh watch i recommend all of you guys go check it out yeah definitely and send in your performances for us to review next week to discuss yeah and we'll see you back next week see you guys Bye. bye